Hey everyone, welcome back to Quaker Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McKeown. I'm here with uh, Senior Sports Editor Caleb Crane and Deputy Sports Editor Walker Carnathan. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing, in my opinion, a very sad topic, a very destructive topic to the Penn community. Princeton actually being good for a considerable long amount of time. It brings me much pain. I wrote an article about it this week. Um, and I have some conflicting opinions across from me from, from Caleb and uh, from Walker. And Walker first... Watch, yes. Watching Princeton, just to, to give a quick recap, Princeton made it to, you know, the big tournament, men's tournament. They made it out of the first round, becoming the only, the 11th team, the 11th, 15th seed to win the first round. And then they went into the second round and beat Missouri. Not only did they beat Missouri, they, they really beat Missouri. They won by 15, and that was the, the biggest win margin by a 15, by an, a 15 seed ever. And third year in a row, a 15 seed makes a sweet 16 after only one had made it in the entire history of the tournament prior to that, so pretty cool. A lot of underdogs coming out in the recent years, but God, if I would have preferred any other school but Princeton, um, I would have preferred, like, a community college. <laughs> I would have preferred, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Harlem Globetrotters would get in one day, but that kind of, like, I, I don't think there's any other more upsetting process for me to sit down and watch Princeton, a team that beat Penn three times this year. Once regular season, one for the regular season championship, once in the playoffs, all in heartbreaking, destructive fashion. Close fashion. Important to note, Sean. It's not important to note. Yeah, it is. Very, very close fashion. Some of the closest basketball, really, I've ever seen played in my mm -hmm. entire life. I think that's very important to note. So, Walker, do you think Penn is close to Princeton? A hundred percent. I don't think you can watch the Ivy Madness game between Penn and Princeton and tell me that those basketball teams are not of near the identical quality. I mean, the rebounding margin was almost identical. The field goal shooting was almost identical. It comes down to a couple freak plays at the end where Caden Pierce comes up with an offensive rebound that no one else in the world was going to get, and a couple bounces go Princeton's way, and they come out with the win. I don't think you can watch that game and say one team is way ahead of the other one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what do you think about, like, you know, us not being able to beat Princeton for like eight straight matches against them. You nine, don't think nine, nine straight, straight oh nine yeah. straight matches against them. Personally, when talking about nine straight wins against us, I don't care about the margin of victory in each of these games. We could have lost by one point in every game. But if a team has your number every year, in and out, they beat you nine straight times, I don't feel like we're in the same realm. We're not talking about the last four seasons. We're talking about this season. We're talking about the relationship between Princeton basketball and men's basketball right now and it's not a big difference mm -hmm. it, it we were up, we were up 19 points on them in the first half in the regular season finale and then we had our worst offensive half of the season like that's not like this is these aren't large strokes like these are very like marginal differences in my opinion and I think you see that in some of the teams like Penn played Missouri earlier this year the team that Princeton just beat in the Sweet 16 and put up 85 points on them and lost by single digits like yes it's still a loss but they played Missouri just as tough as Princeton did. Like it's not like these these aren't monumental differences. These are these are these are these are comparable differences. Person I, oh, I mean, ahead. I think like the point of this whole thing is like there are monumental differences. There's also comparable differences. Penn played Princeton very well for I mean, they crushed them in the first half of the regular season finale, and then they played them very well for thirty nine minutes in the Ivy tournament. But a basketball game isn't 39 minutes, it's 40 minutes. And that's where Penn struggles. And in that 40th minute, Princeton has shown that it's just so far ahead mm -hmm. of what Penn is. 
and then they showed that against Arizona where they held held on and they ended the game on a run and they they showed up in the clutch and was able to beat a team that like by all metrics should have should have beaten them but they showed up in the clutch and that's what the difference was and that's where the monumental difference is in my opinion mm-hmm. and i mean after the ivy manish loss coach donahue talked about how the team how Penn led for like 65% of that game or whatever and like yeah that's true and it's good to like have the lead for a while but like that's not what matters what matters is who finishes with the lead mm-hmm. who gets the final lead change who shows up in the clutch and princeton's just better so much better than Penn in that respect but that is what matters for the final record but it's not what matters in this you know arbitrary debate about how close they are if you're talking about how close they are you can compare things like who led for more of the game and who shot better and the 39 minutes and it's not just it, it is 40 minutes but it's not it's also not one minute it's not all about that last minute it's about everything that leads up to that and the quality of basketball that is played prior to that moment and I think if you watch that basketball it's not that different like that was the ivy madness game was probably the closest basketball game i ever watched in my entire life i mean those teams are all almost the exact same quality they they have scorers they have rebounders they each they have defenders they have shooters i mean clark slacker had probably his best big game of his entire life he had 17 points nick spinoso 17 points spinoso and dingle pick and roll that pick and roll game that game was incredible that is something that you can carry on against any opponent including arizona including missouri they're like these these are replicatable things that Penn has that Princeton has also shown to have. It's just good basketball. They're good basketball teams, and one is not a much better basketball team than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but thing is, like, how do we measure like how close they are if Princeton keeps winning? That's by the games, by the games that they play that are that are very close every time. But nine and zero is not close. We're we're not talking about the last four years. I'm talking <laughs> about this season. Then three and zero isn't close. It is. If you watch the <laughs> games, you can't. You have to contextualize it. You can't just blanket statement say, "Oh, one team was three and zero against the other one." When there's a nineteen point lead in there, and there's there's a, 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 a identical field goal percentage game in there. Like mm-hmm. you 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 have to you have to nuance it more than that. I think for me the difference is, I just don't think we don't have that dog at the end of the game in our team. I know that's a really stupid thing to say when talking about like a breakdown, but. There's certain teams when you watch them. I had no confidence in Penn when we had the final minute and it was a tight game. Every time I feel like we've come down to a final minute tight game, I haven't seen something where it's like, oh, I trust them to score here. I can't. If you all ever watched the 2021, 2022 Knicks, right? They'd finish every game down two points, down three points. But you knew for a fact, what's their power forward's name? What, Randall. Ju- Julius Randall. Randall. You knew for a fact Julius Randall was not hitting that game winner. When Jordan Sean, Dingle, did you see the Julius Randle game winner like a week ago? Hey, I said 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I said 2022. But it's the same thing where I, when Jordan Dingle took that final shot, right, contested three, being pushed away in our in a match against Princeton, I, I, I thought the game was over. As soon as it hit his hands, I'm like, okay. I haven't seen him hit that all season. I haven't seen the game work out all season. I don't know if that's coaching. Did you see LaSalle? Did I see LaSalle? Are we going back to the start of the season LaSalle game? That was the you see that shot? You can't you can't say you don't trust Dingle to hit that shot when he hit that shot. Okay, like fine. did they lose that game? Yes, but that shot was incredible. And also, Sean, if you don't trust Dingle, who like who should have That's, the ball not, in that it's moment? It's not that I don't trust Dingle. It's that I don't think we've ever we don't consistently put ourselves in a situation where we can win that game. Like if I watch every game where we it's were, real crisis, we were in the situation a week two weeks ago when they were up by seventeen points at halftime. Yeah. But then what happened? Then they choke. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying by the end of the game, there's two. We're down to a minute left, something like that. I don't think 
coach is putting the players in a position where it's inventive enough to score, confident enough for the player to get a good look, it always ends up being a mess up. And then we rely on talent. Clark and Dingle are insanely talented. Spinoza was a great passer, a decent finisher. We just kind of say, take the ball and go. When we go back to Princeton, right, watching their team, it's more of a team game. Their star, how to pronounce him? Tosan Tosan. He's fantastic just because he doesn't ever force anything. It's not like, oh, just give him the ball, he'll figure it out. He passes to a corner. He's a great finisher, all this other stuff. They go with the flow of the game. Where I feel like when Penn gets down to it and the difference of why, you know, oh, we look so competitive against them, but we're nine and uh, we're 0 and 9 the last nine games, is that when it comes down for them, they're playing good basketball by the, end, the last minute. And when the last minute comes for us, we choke. Well, we that, 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 that last minute, I will say, I think there were, there were some questionable calls in that last game that did not go over. The Spinoza, the Spinoza quote-unquote charge that he got called against him was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my entire life. And then back at the other end, Awoma completely reached over George Smith's entire like shoulder and back area, and there was no there was no over the back call. So those that's neither here nor there. But I will say that if we're talking about the last minute of the game, that should have been a Spinoza bucket every single day of the week, and it was called mm-hmm. the other way. But it was still we were still in a position to be influenced by them, and then they they made their free throws, and Dingle missed his shot, and we couldn't get a play. So like, and we were still in the position where it was possible for that call to influence the game in such so a way. So were they. So 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 was Princeton, the team that's in the Sweet 16 right now. They were in the same position, and they got the right influence. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing Creighton or Baylor for a spot in the Elite Eight, and we're sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really important question. Walker, do you feel like Penn would have beaten Arizona in the first round? I think there's a really good shot. No, no there isn't. <laughs> no. no, come on, get a grip. Um, How, get get a grip on what? Did you see Ryan f-ing Langbord block that guy? Are you kidding me? You don't think you don't think George Smith can do that? No. I mean, okay. Here's the thing: they play like a team. They're. Be- I think that Princeton is exceptionally well coached and was motivated to win that game. And I just don't know if Penn would have had that killer instinct to go travel across the country and win that. And I mean. We're talking about a Princeton team that lost to UConn, who's now a, what, a four seed by like three points on the road. We're talking about a Princeton team that went into Austin and played Texas and played it close for a while. Like, and then Penn, yeah, sure, Penn put up 85 against Missouri, but we also let 92 get scored against us. Mm -hmm. Like, this team finds ways to lose games. I am a, a Philly fan at heart. Always have been. I grew up here. And I feel like this year has been very cursed for all our Philly teams. You know, every single one's lost in the championship game. We have Phillies, Union, Eagles, every single one. And when I when I saw Penn coming down, playing Princeton for our regular season championship game, I knew in my heart that, you know, I'm a, I'm a pessimist because of my, my ties to Philly. I was, I was always negative about it. And I, just, I genuinely feel like there's a small curse when it comes up to that last shot. Um, and, Sean, if you want, if you want more proof that – this is a cursed year for Philly sports. This is the first time since, I think, 84, 85, that none of the Philly six teams are in March Madness. Which is crazy. Important to note, the Princeton men's basketball team did not play UConn this year. That was the Princeton women's basketball team. Mm. Oops. <laughs> also some dogs on that team. Yeah, Princeton women, I got nothing bad to say about them. They're insane. But mm-hmm. I don't have anything bad to say about the Princeton men's teams. I was rooting for them against Arizona. I was rooting for them against Missouri. This is It's good for Ivy League basketball. It shows we are a real league with real players. How do you feel to be a trader? 
I'm not a traitor. I'm a team okay. player. <laughs> now, to take that, that point seriously, I really do think that Princeton doing well means a lot for the Ivy League. Because even if I'm pessimistic about Penn's chances, at like I think they're a lot worse than Princeton, but we do have tight games against them. And if the whole entire world right now is watching Princeton compete against like top schools, top talent, all that stuff, big recruiters, it shines better on the entire league that we do have good coaching, we do have good talent. And I think that's, I think that's great for the Ivy League. It, it draws more attention. Like, instead of national media disregarding Dingle's, you know, ridiculous, what is it, 20? 23.6 20, or something? Yeah. It's like, oh, he plays in the Ivy League. But when you realize he played three games against one of the toughest defenses in Princeton and played great in all of them, that shines better on him. So I am happy that Princeton succeeding brings more joy to, like, the entire league. But I can, I'm a homer. I'm a fan where, like, I need my city. And I, don't, I can never root for my rival. I can never root for a team that's in the same conference that beat us three times and all that stuff. It makes me like, it makes my heart hurt a little bit. Listen, that's that's how I felt going into the game. I was like, there's no way I can root for Princeton. I want them to lose by 50. I want them to be smited. And then it gets down to it. There's five minutes left in the game, and an Ivy League team is playing the is playing a number two seed that tough. Players that you have watched all season long, that you've seen compete against Jordan Dingle and Clark Slacker and play tough games against them. You see Tosan Awoma going at these blue chip recruits. How can you not root for the Ivy League team? Mm-hmm. How can, I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 it's good for the culture, for the, for the Ivy League culture at the end of the day. I mean, I don't know. I think there's just something inspiring about that for all of, you know, Ivy League athletics as a whole. And I will say, I've talked to Tosan, I think, like twice now great guy like i very i think he, he dapped me up after a press conference made me feel great because he i remember i asked him a question about how well he was playing all this other stuff and he was super humble and his entire thing is and i i remember asking coach and him they were both very adamant about like we want winning habits we're building off this it's a character thing all of us can be winners we don't we don't care about talent fit and positions just winning and they've really did, pulled it off did you know that he he sent his tape to all eight Ivy League schools, and Princeton was the only one that, one that responded. That's that hurt a little more today. Yeah, it. I mean, that he could have been on this team if like he had been recruited. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like that just speaks to like Princeton's kind of culture. They like find people, they develop them, and they turn them into, and they turn find complementary pieces, and they make this team, which then like. Going forward, they're going to graduate some people, including Tosan. But then Caden Pierce. We're going to beat them next year. No, we're not. Caden Pierce. We're going to beat them next. They're losing Alaco. They're losing Langborg. They're losing Awoma. We're losing. Uh, we're losing. Um, Lucas Monroe is that is and and Lorca Lloyd. Like the the difference is the difference is monumental. Yeah, but they also have Caden Pierce, who is the was a, is a freshman. Right now, I love Caden. Ivy, P- Ivy League Rookie of the Year. Ivy League Rookie of the Year. They had some random guy. I love Caden Pierce. He's not. He's he's not. He's not a primary ball handler. He's not a guy that's going to beat you by himself. No, there's Tosan. They had some random. Yeah, yes, Tosan is. No, he isn't. Are you kidding? Every single play during March Madness, he starts off like top of the key, pass to him, pass out. He's not a guy who's like. Yeah, but he's the he's the cog. Like he's the one that's mm-hmm. making everything else happen. Caden mm-hmm. Pierce is not. The, I I think he's a phenomenal player. He's a great shooter. He's a great rebounder. I just don't. I don't think he's a, a Tosan type of guy. At least yet. Maybe he'll develop into that. But I'll. Yeah, they had they had Blake Blake Pierce come off their bench hit five threes yesterday. Peters. Blake Peters, sorry, come off their bench hit five threes yesterday. He's a sophomore. They have they like just have these guys who are gonna I will who say, can dominate a half. They were playing Missouri, who had I think. 
by far the worst allowed three-point percentage in like college basketball. I think they were 282nd out of every college basketball team at like three points allowed. So that could be a little inflated. But I think going back for me, I feel like Penn's always, as like my final thought on the difference between like Penn and Princeton. I think Penn's always been more talented. You have Dingle, Clark, you can point at like Lucas Monroe has always been like a great dribble drive. Max Martz, you have like starting center. Lord, I mean, yeah, Lord, Lord Lloyd yeah. is a three-star recruit. Like he's re- he's. But I mean, all all the talent we've had, I feel like we've always not wasted talent because these guys have had great careers. They're gonna have like Jordan Diggle is like a primary example of one of the best careers in Penn history. But I don't feel like our team uses talent the way we should. And then we look at Princeton, who is taking guys who are undersized, guys who aren't the fastest, like Langborn getting that block. <laughs> it was amazing. awesome, dude. It was an amazing highlight. But that's not a guy you yeah. expect that from. That's not a talented player where you're like, okay, he's jumping off the page. We have more talent every year, I feel like, because I've watched Penn before I got here as well. I've been in Philly a while. We always have decent teams where the talent is higher. But then you look at Princeton, they just play the game as a team. I've always felt that like whenever I'm watching Penn, it's a either a you know pick and roll, dribble handoff. It's never keep passing, keep moving, unless we're playing a really bad team. Unless we're playing like a D2 we're practicing against, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you and look at Princeton, they set that culture every single year where you could take any guys, any amount of talent, freshman, sophomore, you're expected to contribute. You have a role, and it's a team game. Like even like their best player with Tosan, he's not a ball dominant. Like Jordan Dingle's very ball dominant, and that's not a bad yeah. thing. But their star player embodies what they want at Princeton, which is passing around, getting everyone involved, and playing shit-hard defense. They what they held Arizona to the least amount of points a two seed that's ever scored against a yeah. 15 seed. Like, I don't know. I just for me when you know Walker's saying we're gonna beat him next year, all this stuff. I'm a pessimist. He's an optimist. I'm a pessimist on this. I just feel like the culture difference is always going to hurt us. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think that culture is like very important in and it's also a cycle like how many recruits are they going to get because they just won two march madness games mm-hmm. and then i mean that's what college sports is it's a it's either it's a virtuous cycle for which is what it's going to be for princeton because some three some good recruit who's slightly above their pay grade in most circumstances is going to have seen them on in march madness beating arizona beating mizzou Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, I want to play with that team because mm-hmm. it seems like a ton of fun. And I want to be part of that. And then they're going to come to the Palestra once a year and Penn's going to go up there and play them once a year. And that's it's just going to continue. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it doesn't it doesn't always work that way. Like St. Peter's completely fell apart after last year. The three best players left. Their coach left. They haven't gotten any more recruits. They missed the tournament. Like it's not that's not always the story. It could be. But that's not necessarily inevitable. And I definitely feel like Penn has a really good recruiting class coming in. We have Sam Brown from Lower Marion, son of former 76ers coach Brett Brown. Uh, we're losing one of our four starters uh, who is, uh, you know, very impactful defensively, but, you know, not the most integral to our scoring attack. Dingle is going to be a senior. He, just, he was just second in America in scoring as a junior. I, I, I think I, Penn is going to play Princeton the first game next year, and Penn is going to win the basketball game, and you can come back to this. When <laughs> oh, happens. I plan to. I plan to. We'll we'll clip it and ship um, it. Make sure it's, yeah, it's all locked in. That'll, that'll happen. I mean, just one last element before we kind of wrap up here, I guess. What does this mean for, like, the Ivy League's place in nationally? As, and then, like, Princeton was a 15 seed this year. Each of the four Ivy teams at least had, like, good losses – against like 
close losses against good teams. Like Penn went to Mizzou, Harvard went to Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, Yale went to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like, and then people see how good this league is throughout like conference play. I mean, what is it? I don't like. What do you think this means for like the Ivy League's place in like? I mean, we're never going to be a power conference, mm-hmm. but like, do you think this will kind of help the Ivy ascend like a couple tiers in terms of like where their conference ranks? So maybe next year it's a 13 seed, 12 seed type of thing. Ascension to me, I think it really matters. Like the only way we'll gain the recognition that I think that a lot of Ivy League teams deserve is the starting regular schedule and the coaches and the program figuring out who they're playing making it tougher on themselves, hard on themselves, whatever they figure out to play, and establishing a win there. You don't get good seeding. Even if Princeton does great this season, say they make the Elite Eight, say they make the Final Four, it most likely won't happen. Either way, them being those teams, it won't matter by next year's selection time because the, the, uh, the people who select always focus on that little regular season before you have conference play and who you beat, who you actually got to like play, and that matters for seeding. So it really depends on how... How the Ivy League goes about this, how advantageous they want to be. They want to be aggressive. Like the Ivy League's watching this all, like, okay, let's schedule even harder games so we can prove ourselves and finally eke out one of these wins. So next time the winner of this league gets to the 10th seed, gets to the eighth seed, yeah. whatever it may be. But then again, we always have our same problems of like, we're the Ivies. Penn players don't have scholarships. Like always, there's still barriers that yeah. really hurt your chances. They're suing the Ivy League about that. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you, if someone goes down to, Kansas goes out to Kansas or wherever and beats them. Kansas mm-hmm. is never going to schedule another Ivy again. Yeah, I mean that's the same problem North Dakota State has. No one wants to play them because they'll they're too good. Mm-hmm. Um, where yeah, you have to, but yeah, the Ivy League does have to do, it. and the individual schools have to schedule hard. They have to get one of these wins because mm-hmm. that I mean that's crucial. And then, I mean, the conference has to do somewhat of a better job of trying to get some of these teams national exposure. Mm-hmm. National te- nationally televised games. When's the last time Penn's been on national TV? Oh, the, pri- the, the regular season finale against Princeton was on ESPN News. Mm, okay. Yeah. I don't think I've, regular season-wise, where it's not championship, anything like that, I doubt, unless we're getting a, like a really hot team, we get shifted in, it's really hard to get that exposure for a team, for, like, for Penn teams or Princeton teams. Yeah, and I think you know Princeton win- going on this run and getting these two wins is, is good for that. Because mm-hmm. next year, if Princeton, you know, is really good again or if Penn's really good and we play them, everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, Princeton last year, they went on that huge run in March Madness, and maybe it's something ESPN puts on a little bit bigger of a platform than burying it in ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Overall, as much as I hate to admit it, Princeton's doing some really great stuff for the Ivy League. It's overall a great experience. Is there any final thoughts on, like, their impact, what it means for Penn, what it means for the league kind of stuff? I, Yeah, I just want to say it's great for the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a conference – um, to see the to see a team do this well is like good, but it's yeah, it's not great that it's your rival. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's very good for the league, and I also think, uh, antithetically to you guys, I think it means that we're right there. Mm-hmm. And I think if you watch our games against Princeton this season, I see a team that is just as good as Princeton and can't execute in the final moments, and I think that is a a curable disease. And I think it's something that moving forward, you could definitely see shift the other way. And maybe Penn doesn't go to the Sweet 16, but I think next year we'll have a little bit more success against Princeton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, you know, we'll see by next year whether the optimistic or pessimistic view comes out true. 
And maybe Penn, Penn Sweet 16 next year for sure. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Well, we'll write that down and make sure to, to note that down for Walker. But, yeah, to wrap up this segment, that's all our, our thoughts on Princeton versus Penn. And now we're going to transition to uh, Penn's recap for the past week of sports. And now going to other members of DP Sports to review a couple of games for the past week. So Penn Women's Lacrosse had a great game on Saturday, a very close contest with Harvard. But something that wasn't close in that game was the number of draw controls. So Penn won the draw controls 24-9. to And that's absolutely impeccable and great skill set by the team. Maintaining all those offensive positions is going to be so great and important in the long run, especially during Ivy League play. They're also a really good team at playmaking. Everyone on their team is unselfish. No one is trying to get the ball entirely for themselves. A lot of their goals came off of assists this last weekend, which is very important. But however, there's a tendency sometimes to overthrow and overpass. But just brushing up on that, I think Penn is going to be a very hard team to beat in the Ivy League. Hi, I'm Caleb Crane, sports editor with the Daily Pennsylvanian. And last Thursday, Penn women's basketball headed down to Virginia to play Richmond in the first round of the WNIT. And once they got there, they were pretty much outmatched for all 40 minutes. The team never led. They ended up losing by 23 points, and they trailed pretty much the entire game. They couldn't score much in the first quarter. Um, the Richmond Spiders led for as many money as 29 by as many as 29 points throughout the game. And yeah, it was a pretty not a great showing for for Penn, and not a great way to end the season. Uh, for the five seniors on the team um, after their loss at Ivy Madness. It seemed like they would have had a chance at redemption in the WNIT, but it just, it really didn't pan out. Hi, my name is Allison Nelson, head copy editor and sports reporter for the Daily Pennsylvanian, and I wrote this weekend's recap detailing Penn Softball's home and Ivy opener against Harvard. The weekend continued the Quaker struggles this season as they were swept by the Crimson over the two days of play, being outscored by at least six runs in all three games of the series, dropping them to 0-19 and and keeps them solidly at the bottom of Ivy League standings. Offensive struggles were the main factors across the board in the losses this weekend, especially in Saturday's doubleheader, as they only scored one run across both games of the series. They bounced back a little bit in Sunday's game, but ultimately the Crimson capitalized on Quaker fielding errors and aggressive base running to be able to complete the series sweep. Despite this, Sunday's game marked the fifth time this season that Penn scored 10 or more hits in a single game and the third time where it recorded six runs. So moving forward, they'll look to pick up My name up is Seda I'm a sports writer for the VP. In their Ivy League season opener, Penn men's lacrosse defeated Princeton 9-8 in an exciting game that went into overtime. The game went back and forth between the two teams, showing strong performances from the goalies, with Princeton staying ahead during most of the game. Penn's Ben Smith, who scored the first goal of the game, went on to score three more, including the game-tying and leading goals in the fourth quarter. However, Princeton tied the game again with 3.20 left to play, sending it into overtime. During overtime, Penn's goalie, Emmett Carroll, Blocked Princeton's first shot and goal before Penn's Adam Handley scored the game-winning goal with under 20 seconds left. After their first home win of the season, Penn will face Cornell on March 26, aiming to continue their winning streak. I'm Moses Vlasova, sports staff writer for the DP, covering football, basketball, and baseball, and we're going to be talking about the Quaker baseball team today. 
Uh, it's been a rocky start for the Quakers. Um, but this weekend, they looked a lot like the team from last year that fell just short of the championship. So they played UMass this weekend, total of three games, one on Friday and a doubleheader on Saturday. They lost to UMass on Friday in a very underwhelming 1-0 to game, but bounced back to win 9-3 to and 19-4 to on Saturday. So a sudden offensive explosion on Saturday uh, in the doubleheader. Um, that was aided by great pitching. Actually, pitching was great throughout the weekend. Uh, senior Owen Cody striking out 11 in the first game. Uh, Cole Zafiro, who had seven strikeouts in the second game, and Ryan Dromboski with nine in the third game. So that really allowed them, especially on Saturday, to capitalize on this good pitching and score a lot of runs. And part of that scoring was thanks to senior Seth Werchan, who in the second uh, game of the back-to-back on Saturday had two home runs, uh, which was just incredible. So really good stuff from the Quakers, especially on Saturday. Uh, and they'll look to take this momentum when they have to play Lehigh on Wednesday and then start conference play against Harvard after. So with an 8-7 and seven record uh, overall, this isn't a bad place to be, um, especially if they continue looking like they did um, on Saturday. I want to thank everyone for listening, for tuning in weekly, and uh, I'll see you guys next time.